Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, if you would please. Proverbs 22. We continue some thoughts tonight. What we began two Sunday nights ago. We've entitled to train up a child. Tonight we will continue some thoughts along those lines. Proverbs 22. If you'll look at verse number 6, two verses really tonight. Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Let your eyes fall down to verse number 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Spow our hearts. Father, would you open up our understanding and truth to your word tonight? Lord, I pray that you'd help me at this point in time and help me to not be a distraction. <clears throat> but Lord, would you give grace to the hearer? I pray that you would, Lord, encourage all of our families. I want to say thank you for how you've already encouraged us by giving us a whole host of families, of young people. Young families, young and old alike. Lord, you've been good. You've answered prayer for that. Lord, I'm grateful. And Lord, my prayer is tonight that you would do it again. May this church continue to go forward from generation to generation to generation until you come and get us all. May we go forward in faith and strength and power and victory claiming the truths of your word or applying them to our lives. And then, in response to what you've given to us, Lord, give them to others. Lord, train the next generation for your glory. So help us tonight as we consider some thoughts. May you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we continue what we said began a couple weeks ago. The thought of training children. Child training in the home. Child training in the home. And let me say up front that child training must be done in the home. It must be done in the home. Parents, I believe according to the Word of God, parents are commanded in the Scriptures to train up their children, to train their children. From the time God gives them to us and as a little baby are born and, and uh, until we bring them home. I remember bringing ours home for the first time and and uh, was just hoping that they would give us that instruction booklet. Uh, if you got one of those, I'd love to see it. They didn't give us an instruction booklet, but we have this one. And this is the one, really the only one that we need. Uh, if we were to be given one by someone else, it would be false. It would be full of lies. It would be full of, of misinformation, if you will. But we have the Word of God that helps us do that. But we are to train our children in our home. And God gives us these children for this purpose. It is the parents' job to train. It's not the school's job. The society in which we live has now given that responsibility over to the educational system. And we look and see what a failure that is. They've given our children and said they must do so. And give the children over to the school system. And then take the Word of God out of the school system. Take the Ten Commandments down, um, all the Bible, prayer, and so on in the, 
in the school, but it's not the school's job. And although we should be frustrated and even stand up against that kind of thing, but we first must come to back to the thought that it's primarily our job as parents. Let me go a step further and say with the training of our children, and this is not necessarily the church's job. And that may sound a little bit odd to you, but it's not necessarily the church's job to raise our children. Now, the church, and, and I believe even education, but the church particularly, is to come alongside and help in the training of our children, but that's not the main responsibility. God didn't call the church to, to do that specifically, although that's part and parcel of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, because pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest is sent forth laborers, and where the laborers come from the harvest is places just like this. So we do do that, and we do pray for that, and that's our heart's desire. But in the training and the preparing of our children, it's predominantly done in the home, and I believe by the commandment of the Lord. They're not the responsibility of anyone else but of us as parents. So how are we to train? Let me give us some thoughts tonight as I jotted some things down, and I hope there will be some things that will prompt some thinking and praying among Uh, parents and grandparents alike. First of all, how are we to train? We're to train by way of word. Train by way of word. Uh, This is by speaking. And I mean by this is by way of instruction. Train by way of word, the way of instruction. Don't expect our children just to simply know. Um, Sometimes it's... Is some of you folks, and you've been married for a long time, and the husband can start a sentence and the wife can finish the sentence. How many can identify with that? Know what you're going to say before you say it. Doesn't happen that way with children. They don't know. They need to be instructed. They need to be taught. And so we're to train by word. Just you can't just expect them to know the difference. And even get frustrated when we think they should know, but we have not done our job to instruct them. And then let me just simply add there, you can't reason. You can't necessarily reason with a two-year-old, nor should you. You just can't reason with a two-year-old, nor should you. But by way of instruction word, what you are doing is teaching them to obey your word and teaching them by extension to obey the word of God. And in our instruction this way, we are to instruct with words of construction. Constructive words are better than destructive words. We're not to do that. Constructive words. Sometimes I believe our training can go a great deal further if we would help them and point them and give them the picture of where they could be and help to push them along and guide them along, and we do that for them, than to simply tear them down with our words of where they are now. So encouraging words is what I'm want to, wanting to say. So words of construction, words of encouragement are better than words of discouragement. Use words that build up, not words that tear down. Don't belittle your children. Don't belittle them when they don't get it right. 
Don't belittle them when they spill the milk on the table. Don't belittle them for not understanding your instructions completely and fully and not following them through. Don't make fun of them. Don't call them names. Don't use those things. Don't use those terms. These things provoke to anger in the child, particularly as the child is gets older and understands what these things mean. Ephesians 6 and 4, bring up, bring up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The idea of nurture and admonition is the nurtures, the instruction, and even the instruction and nurture in the aspect of discipline. Admonition is to put into the mind positive things. Admonition, to put into the mind positive things. Train in such a way that your words are building up, even when there's the the corrective aspect of it or the rebuking aspect of it, and these things are required. But use words that build up, don't tear down. Words can, as we all know, words can inflict deep wounds and scars can last for many years. The old saying when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's not necessarily true. Words sometimes hurt a lot deeper and a lot longer than sticks and stones. So be careful. Train children to obey your words. Train children to obey your words. Train them to obey your words without argument and without complaint. Without argument and without complaint. Something that I think that we learned very early on with our little children. Sometimes when... Uh, a child, and you know, they've got this thought in their mind, and they just have to tell mommy and daddy immediately. And they run into the presence, and mommy and daddy are talking to someone else, and, and they're like, you know, pulling on the, your coattails, and, and pulling at your, your, your dress, and so on like that, and, and just butting in, mommy, 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 mommy. And so what we tried to do, and maybe this would be helpful, is we simply begin to try to train to say, we will not answer that. You'll not get an answer. You'll not get a hearing that way. But train them to come up and simply, and you be aware of this, and they understand this, to take your hand, put their hand in your hand, and just stand there quietly. And wait on you to turn your attention. Not to butt in. Not to break the conversation. Not to be obnoxious by getting, trying to do whatever's needed to get the attention. But simply coming up, holding your hand, putting their hand in your hand and holding tight. And you know, they know that mommy and daddy's going to turn in just a moment when they get through to give them your attention. So train them to be able to be respectful this way to others. Train them to obey your words without argument. <clears throat> And without complaint. And let me just simply say fathers are to take the lead in this training. Fathers are to take the lead in this training. Children should know that mom and dad are the authority in the home. Mommy and daddy are the authority in the home. Don't let your child complain about authority. Don't ever let your child complain about authority. To complain against one 
if one child, it comes to daddy and he complains about mommy or comes to mommy and he's complaining about daddy, help them understand that to complain about one is to complain about both of us. So don't let that take place. Don't allow whining. Don't allow whining. Don't allow your child to become a whiner. Why? Because whining is simply a child's way of complaining. They don't know how to produce that thing. They don't know how to really complain and verbalize it. So whining can simply be a matter of complaining. Now, I'm not simply saying you know your child. And so you know if there's something wrong. You know if there's an illness. And I'm not uh, putting those things aside. Mom and dad, they understand. Grandma and grandpa understand these things. And these things are part of the growing process. A child does not necessarily have to know how to tell you that their head hurts maybe or their foot hurts or their leg hurts or their, their tummy hurts. So we understand that. There are places and times. But this matter of whining is simply a child's way often of complaining against something that they do not like. Complaining against mommy or complaining against daddy. So we're to train by word or train by instruction. Number two, train by example. Train by example. Parents need to be the kind of person they are seeking to train their child to be. Be the individual that you're seeking to train your child to be. You will get what you train for. If you train for nothing, you'll get that too and be sorry. But in order for that training to come to pass and be correctly done, we must be the example, not just in word, not just do what I do as I say, not as I do, but do as I say because I do. Because mommy and daddy believe it and we live it. I'm... Set the example in the home. Let me just simply say that. Set the example in the home. Set the example by way of attitude. Attitude. If mom and daddy have bad attitudes against each other, or bad attitudes against the preacher, or bad attitudes against the Sunday school teacher, then we shouldn't expect and we shouldn't be surprised when our children have bad attitudes against us. Because we've literally trained them. In this regard. We've trained them how to have that bad attitude. Because on the way home. They're sitting in the back seat. And, and, and we are complaining about this. Or complaining about that. They learn these things from us. Set the example in attitude. It is true that often. More is caught than taught. So train. By words. Instruction. Train by example. Train in love. Number three, train in love. A child has to know that they are unconditionally loved by you. Even in discipline, the child needs to know that you love them. And this is not done because you are angry and frustrated. And and it's not a, a, a retaliation against something that they have done. But train in love. A child will receive your discipline and respond to your discipline more favorably when he knows that you're doing it because you love him. And that's something that can be crushed over a period of time and done wrongly. 
don't lose that. Don't let that child lose that. Spend time, even after in times of discipline, in helping that child understand, as we've talked about in weeks past, that this is being done and it must be done because God has, you are the authority in the home, mommy and daddy, and God has extended that authority to you. And so in your obedience to God, you must discipline the child. And they have to understand and know that. And it takes time to help them understand. But keep reiterating, keep talking, keep telling them these things. Train and love and let them know that you love them. If there are times of discipline, uh, hug them. Let them know that, you, that uh, mommy and daddy still loves them and you're not angry with them. Even pray with them. So train and love. Train, in, train with the Bible. Number next, train with the Bible. Teach children what the Bible says. You can't start too early teaching Bible doctrine. You can't start too early teaching about the death, burial, and the resurrection. Pour the Bible into your children. Start praying now for the time when they'll come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Those little ones. No better time to start praying for baby faith than right now. From Praise the Lord for the day that you'll come to know Jesus Christ. Train them with the Bible. Pour the Bible into your kids. Small children are like sponges. And make sure they're soaking up the Word of God. Keep them in church. Keep them around the influences that are positive, that are right, that are biblical. Have family devotions. Have family devotions. This does not have to be something that's long, long and drawn out. Make family devotions fun in your home. It doesn't have to be a 55-minute dissertation. It doesn't have to be a 14-chapter reading. It could be simply something is working out and even acting out a Bible story in the home. But seek to do it. Seek to do it as regularly as possible. I do understand that there are times and things that sometimes that, that families are separated for one reason or another, but seek to have family devotions in the home. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray at the dinner table. Pray when you go to the restaurant. Bow your heads. Your children must know that we are praying family. Pray about everything. And pray and thank God when God answers the prayers in front of your children. Let your children know that God answered this specifically. Talk about the things of God with your children. Some of the sweetest times, I know many of you could, would say the same. Some of the sweetest times in child rearing years is, is at bedtime. They're ready to go to bed, and sometimes you can, they will do everything they can to keep you from walking out of the room so that they don't have to shut, turn the light off and go to bed. So it's a good time sometimes just to open up the things of God and just talk and draw their hearts out. Hear what they're saying, not just from the words, but discern it from the heart. Talk about the things of God as you gather with them in the evenings and during the day. Use your Bible. Use your Bible not as a club to beat them. But as a tool to guide them. 
And you use your Bible in a wrong way, and it can almost seem as though it's that club. And, and although the Bible does talk about the Word of God is like a hammer at times. But let's not seek to use it like that. Let's seek to use it as a tool to guide them. Teach them respect the Bible. To respect the Bible. Teach them to carry the Bible. One of the most important things you can do to the little ones is when they come to church, mom and daddy, when they walk out the door, Johnny, do you have your Bible? Do you, are you carrying your Bible? Teach them to keep up with it. Where did you leave it? Did you lose it? Help them find it. But teach them the importance of the Bible. We carry it to the house of God. We keep up with it. We respect it. I appreciate little Caleb here. Little Caleb's sitting right here on the front row. Hey, buddy. Caleb carries his Bible. Can I tell you, that just thrills my heart. Caleb come a couple weeks ago, and he misplaced it. Always has it in his hand. He misplaced it. He was a little perturbed about that and opened up the drawer back here and found a little New Testament. And I said, here, you can have that one. It satisfied the moment. Took that home. Next Sunday, he came back and he gave me the New Testament I had given him back to me because he had found his other one. Didn't need that one anymore. He's got his own. I'm just saying that that's an important aspect. We teach them when they're young to carry their Bibles to the house of God. They'll carry them when they're old to the house of God. Teach them to love the Bible when they're young. They'll love the Bible when they're old. Even if they can't read it, teach them to love it. Teach them to obey their Bible. This is what God says. Be specific. This is what God says in this particular matter. The Bible says that you, you shouldn't lie. So we don't lie. The Bible says you ought to treat your siblings kindly. So you can't pull your sister's hair anymore. Teach them to obey the Bible. Apply those truths, truths in their lives. Children need to know that mommy and daddy love their Bible. See us regularly reading and applying it. Read with me Deuteronomy. Hold your place here and you can go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 9. <clears throat> chapter 4 and verse number 9. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 9. <clears throat> Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Go with me to chapter number 6 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. When thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. 
And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. That means simply meaning they're always to be close at hand. And always to be within the thinking of our minds. Verse 9, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. We are to teach our children in the home. I hope that Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Sunday Wednesday evening is not the only time your children hear of the things of God. Teach them in the home. It'll take more than a Sunday trip. The Sunday type of Christianity to train your child the way he should go. God's plan is for multi-generational Christian homes. Multi-generational. This generation, passing it to the next generation. Grandmas and grandpas, making sure we have passed it to our children. And really, that's the whole goal. We are raising our children so that they may come to know the Lord. So that when we're off the scene, uh, when our grandchildren come up, then they know of the same truths. They know of the Lord. And it continues to go generation after generation after generation. That's God's plan. A multi-generational Christian family. Families teaching families and passing it on. God's plan is also for multi-generational churches. One generation, again, teaching another. Strong families make strong churches. That's why we have the emphasis on teaching. Appreciate Brother Caleb and those who help. Those who have been helping on the Sunday mornings and Canaan Kids, the Bible Church, the Children's Church. I appreciate those that work in the nursery. I appreciate Miss Stephanie and Sarah and others who put together and plan and prepare and all those other ladies that, that work hard in this regard. It's not just a place for babysitting. It's a place of preparation, a place of training. Multi-generational churches, the future of the work depends upon the faithfulness of the parents. You realize that those who sit in here tonight, the future of the work depends upon us. Psalm 145 and 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. One generation telling another generation what God has done for their lives. And I don't know about you, I'm sure it's become very apparent to me that we live in a time, and as you get older, it becomes more apparent that a generation is passing. An entire generation is passing. You know it's passing when the first thing you do in the morning is get up and read the obituary column. But an entire generation is passing. Those who had served on the mission field are no longer able to serve. And it behooves us as a church to raise up and prepare the next generation. Because when they can't go, who will go? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Hear my Lord, send me. Preparing in that way. We find a sad commentary to this sort of thing of dropping the ball in this regard. If we go to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2. Book of Judges, chapter number 2. We find this commentary upon what takes place when we leave off the things of God. Judges, chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. 
What happens when one generation fails to do what's right and passing along? Verse number 7 of Judges chapter 2. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died among an hundred and ten years old. Excuse me, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Hiraz, in the Mount of Ephraim, the side, north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them. Which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children, look at the results. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. What a sad commentary. If we fail, if we fail in our day, sad commentary. They served Balaam and went after other gods. Trained by way of the word, instruction. Trained by example. Trained in love. Trained with the Bible. Trained with the rod. Proverbs 2, we read the verse 22, verse, uh, chapter 22, verse number 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Trained with the rod. Proverbs 13 and 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. He that loveth him chasteth him betimes. Proverbs 23 and 14, withhold not correction from the child. For it, if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Proverbs 29 and 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I believe that the rod is to be used as a last resort. As a last resort. We train them to obey the word. The rod is to be used in a last resort. But be sure the rod is to be used. That's oftentimes something that I think it's left off. Be sure the rod is to be used. The rod, what is this? The rod is a, it sounds like a, a, a terrible thing. In our minds, we think, okay, the rod, what does this mean? The rod is, I believe, is an implement of correction. I do not believe it is to be a rod, such as a club or something that would do harm or damage. But some implement of discipline a paddle or such. A paddle or such. If you do your word study on the rod, on that, what that word means. And God does not give us a, an idea from the word of God that there is to be mistreatment at all here. And that's not the idea nor the sense of the word of God and the teaching. It's not to be a slap across the face. Never. Be a slap across the face. It's not to be a twisting of the arm to get the attention. It's not to be a verbal tongue lashing. It's an instrument of discipline. It's not meant to break the skin. It is to be controlled and administered in control. 
Not wild, frailing, or beating, or anything like that. It's interesting that the Lord, when he put, pinned all this, and before he pinned it, he brought man out of the dust of the ground, and, and God made a place for spanking. He put some extra padding there. A provision, if you will. God made a place. There's to be a time of training. Chapter number 15, again, foolish is bound in the heart of a child. There's the time of training. While they are children. While they are children. I believe that this could lend to infancy, to adolescence. Whatever that may look like in a teenage Years, infancy to adolescence. The idea, though, is to start training early so that you are able to do it less and less as they get older. If you wait to start training until the child is now in their four, five, six years of age, guess what? It's almost going to be nearly impossible to reverse that. To try to reverse and fix that. The idea is to train, train for the obedience of the word of mommy and daddy, the obedience of the word of God, so that less rod discipline is needed as time goes on, as they begin to understand, as they begin to formulate in their minds and their hearts the truth that you've poured into them. You must capitalize on the critical years When their heart is tender and moldable. The tender years. The the young years. The heart is pliable. Proverbs 20 and 11. Even a child is known by his doing. Whether his work be pure or whether it be right. A child is known by his doing. Communist Lenin said... Give me a child for the first five years of his life, and he'll be mine forever. If we expose our kids to the world at this young age, we will lose them to the world. Well, we just use the video games, or we just use the TV as the babysitter. Please don't do that. You expose them to the world. At this age, you'll lose them to the world. If you let them be and do not discipline and do not train them at this age, at this young age, we lose them to their own sinful, selfish nature. You got to try to re-guide that. It's like turning a massive ship around. And it's so much harder to do. I'm not saying it's impossible. But oh, it gets so much more difficult. But if we train their hearts for the Lord during those young years, they are more likely and more apt to keep serving the Lord for the remainder of their years. And as I mentioned earlier as we begin this kind of thoughts earlier in a couple weeks ago that a child will certainly have to make up his own mind at some point in time. 
and some point in time where mommy and daddy's faith is going to have to be a decision made where the child receives and picks up and carries on mommy and daddy's faith. But I think when we begin to do it biblically, that's more apt to happen. If you have a love for football, nothing wrong with that. Your child will have a love for football. That's what you talk about. We have a love for putting a worm in the water. Nothing wrong with that. I hope we do it. I'd like to catch some of those things. But if that's all we talk about, they'll love that too. I'm just simply saying, I believe if we had a, a, have an undevoted love for God, a heart for God, in every fashion, every way, that that will help develop that love. That's something they'll be drawn to and something they will desire. It does take work. It does take time. It takes consistency. And during those years, those formable years, let me just simply say, mommies and daddies, it's a good time, if at all possible, devote that time to those children. That is the ministry that God is giving you for that period of time. And as much as ministry can become attractive in other areas, that's the primary ministry that God has put into your heart and put into your homes. Spend the time there. If you must say no, then say no to other things. So that you can develop these early years. It takes hard work. It takes consistency. It takes discipline on your part. I think child training is more discipline on mommy and daddy than it is child sometimes. It takes sacrifices. Sacrifices. But I truly believe if we will sacrifice early, it will cost you less than the sacrifice of a broken heart, the potential of it later on. When you plant a tree in the ground, you plant a little tiny tree in the ground, what do you do? You put a stake beside of it. So as it grows, it learns, it's trained to grow straight. Same thing with our children. Plant a stake when they first come into the home so that they'll be more apt and learn to grow straight, right, biblically in the ages to come and the days to come. The time of training when they are children. The temperament of training. Let me quickly move on. The temperament of training. And the temperament here I mean to say is that the temperament of mommy and daddy as we train. Not that of the child. But there is to be this. I've already mentioned this. The temperament is to be that of consistency. Consistent. Consistent. Mommy and daddy must back one another. Mommy and daddy must back one another. The child has to see a steady, consistent agreement between the two. If mommy, if the child, and by the way, they are so perceptive. In some, some ways, they're little scoundrels. They know how to manipulate mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy said this, but leave a little bit of the... What mommy really said out. Well I can't because he said this. And, and daddy said this. Or mommy said this. No if mommy said no then it's no. If daddy said no then it's no. 
It's not a manipulation of the two. So be consistent. A steady uh, agreement. It has to be caring. We've already mentioned that. It has to be loving. That is the, 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 the key, the mechanism of balance in parenting. It has to be done in love. It's to be consistent. It's to be caring. It's to be carried out. It's something that has to be done. If you said you must, if you said I will, you have to do it. If you said this is the way it's going to be, you have to do it. Carry it out. It must be carried out. It must be conveyed. If you tell your child what you expect, and I encourage you to do that, tell your child what to expect. We are going to church tonight. This is what I expect from you. No uncertain terms. This is what I expect. Tell them what you expect from them, then expect it. Oftentimes we tell them what we expect and we really don't expect it. But tell them what you expect, then expect it. And when you don't receive it, they should know what to expect from you. Help them in this way. Again, you are training. It's it's a matter of love. It's a matter of encouraging. You are training them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. To grow in grace. The temperament of training, the time of training, the truth of training. Set the tone in the home. Set the course in the home. The tone and the course within the home, I believe, biblically, is to that of godliness. Set the tone in the home of godliness. Godly children just don't happen. You must work at it. You must train for it. Work at it and train for it. You train for what you want. Godliness is the greatest thing you could ever train for. And the only you can be the one that can train them. Biblically, scripturally, is that of the parent. Again, nothing wrong with kicking the football. And I hope that we can do those things. Nothing wrong with uh, drowning worms in the lake. I hope we can do those things. It's all fun and part of it. But the main goal, and and even those things can be used to train in godliness. Teach them. Teach them to respond to authority in a positive manner. I've already mentioned this just briefly. But teach them to respond positively to authority. Even if you don't agree with the authority. This is a big one. So many times parents will take up arms for their children because of a disagreement of authority. If your children are disagreeing with authority that God has placed over them, don't be surprised when they disagree with your authority. If you go to bat against the teacher, against the Sunday school teacher, against the preacher, now I'm talking about in, 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 I'm not talking about in doctrinal matters. But if you go against, if you go to bat for the child against the authorities that God has placed in their life, then you are hurting them, not helping them. If you allow them to respond negatively to the authority of others, they will one day soon respond negatively to your authority. Don't listen to their complaints of fairness or unfairness. That simply wasn't fair. Do you know what they let him do and they wouldn't let me do it? That's not fair. I should have got to do that. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. 
Don't listen to those things. Don't listen to the complaints of fairness or unfairness. Life simply is not fair. Life was not fair to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when they nailed Him to a tree. I'm glad that I didn't get what was fair to me. None of us would be here tonight. Train them spiritually. Train them spiritually. Train them socially. And this I'm done. Train them socially. Work on manners. Work on manners in the home. Work on manners at the table. Maybe it's okay at birthday time to have those pictures taken when little baby Larry's got his face buried in the cake. Oh, it's a lot of fun. There's nothing wrong. A lot of fun. But work on the table manners. Work on manners so that you are able to take your children to the home of somebody else. And understand that these things are so important. Work on manners in the home. Work on manners at the table. Work on manners in the church. We're going to church tonight. It's not a time to play. We do that at home. We do that elsewhere. But we're going to church tonight. Praise the Lord. We get to go to the house of God. They got Sunday school time there. They got Canaan kids. It is going to be wonderful. You're going to enjoy going to church. But it's church. It's a place where we come together to worship our Lord and Savior. And let me just add this in while I'm in maybe hot water. Not getting a nap is no excuse for a bad manner. I didn't get a nap this afternoon. I didn't. Did you get one? It's not an excuse. Teach them to care for things. Teach them to take care of things. Teach them to take care of what mommy and daddy, and particularly daddy if he's the the main breadwinner in the home. And teach them to understand that daddy's worked hard. He's worked long. It takes finances and and there's been sacrifices. And so we take care of those things. We don't ruin them. We don't take crayons and use them for boards or whatever. Teach them to care for things. Not only their things, but the things of others. And let me just simply say this. Persevere in the training. Don't give up and God will bless. Persevere in the training. If you didn't hear anything else I'd said tonight. Persevere in the training. God will bless It's a battle against Satan for your kids. Don't let him have them. The world would long to take your children from you and steal the hearts of your children. Do not let the world have your children. And I'll just throw in a plug for homeschooling right here. I don't know where in Chattanooga that I could send my children and I would feel comfortable training them up and to know the Lord. Except in the home. Don't look at it as a, this is a 12-year process. I'll die before they'll get through. You might die. One year at a time. One semester at a time. You eat an elephant by one bite at a time. So I'm going to take this little bit. I'm going to bite here. I'm going to do this. 
And I'm going to look to the next one. I'm going to look to the next one. And all of a sudden you look up one day. Praise God. We made it through. I didn't die and I didn't kill them. It's, it's a battle against Satan for your children. Pray for daily wisdom. Pray for daily wisdom and submit to God's ways daily. Submit to the ways of the Lord daily. Train up a child. I believe God will bless it. I believe God will bless it. Apply the word. Some simple truths. And I hope there's been some things that will maybe prod some conversation in your home. Or the way in which you are proceeding in this manner. Some ways that will help. I mentioned early on. I do not share these things as, as an expert. Much of what I may share is things as I, as I would share them because I did it completely wrong. But God gave grace. That's the beauty of it all. God gives grace. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we want to thank you tonight for the wonderful families that you've given us. Lord, tonight we thank you for these little ones, these children. What a tremendous blessing and help, encouragement. Lord, you have provided for us the next generation to train for your namesake, for your glory, and for the gospel. And now, Lord, we desperately need your wisdom in doing it. We desperately need your strength, your power to help us know how. Lord, we desperately need your boldness in a world that would hear these kinds of things and think that we simply have gone mad. Lord, your word is not mad. Your word is truth. So help us to be bold with the truth. Lord, help us to be praying people. Be encouraging one another. When it gets hard, help us to seek Lord, out others who have maybe been there and done some things and helped us along the way. And Lord, may we learn. Help us to be forever learning. So tonight, encourage our families. Raise up the next generation as we look toward Mission Conference. And Lord, may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.